Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Excited to share with you today. Uh, we're going to continue our series talking about the blessing of the seed. And uh, how many know that uh, with no seed... You don't eat. You know, if, if the law of seed time and harvest is not still in effect, then, uh, then you're not eating tomorrow. Um, and so say, Lord, say, say this with me. Say, Lord, I thank you that as long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest, and I'll keep eating. Praise God. Just, just remember that. No seed time and harvest, no lunch. So, um, so anyway, uh, we're going to talk about that. You know, God intended for the law of seed time and harvest to be a blessing, not a curse. Now, the people who think it's a curse, it's because they don't want to sow any seed. The people who think it's a curse is because they've been sowing bad seed. You know, you can take a you can take a a, a good uh, law, a good principle, and misapply it, misuse it, and it turns bad. How many know that electricity is a blessing, unless you stick your finger in a light socket? Then it is not a blessing. See, but, uh, you know, it, it was intended to be a blessing, praise God. And so what we need to do is we need to learn how this thing operates and, and so that we can use it, as we would say about electricity, so we can use it safely, so we can use seed time and harvest to be a blessing to our lives, praise God. You know, um, I got this this uh, this thought going on the other day that uh, many people never get to harvest time because they won't in they they won't uh, do the seed time. They want the harvest without the seed. Many people never get to harvest time because you know and. Uh, I remember times, in fact, you know, I don't have to remember back very far because it happens pretty regularly, that uh, 
have a difficult time with something, have a hard day, have a, ha- have a challenge with something. And, uh, you know, I-, I see too many people that as soon as things get hard, they want to quit. And, and as soon as, as a seed is necessary to produce a harvest, they want to quit. And so I shouldn't have to do that, you know. Um, as a as a pastor, you know, you guys are sitting in this room here today because of seed that was sown a long time ago. And, uh, you know, the seed time was not fun time sometimes. Now, sometimes it is. But, uh, you know, seed time is not always fun time. Seed time sometimes means that you are, uh, you know, I mean, do you, do you think that the farmer enjoys going to the feed store and spending hard-earned dollars for corn that he's not going to eat? He's going to bury it. You know, it, but it's seed time and harvest. And he buries that corn in the ground, and then sometime later, he eats the harvest of that. But the seed time is not always fun time. In fact, he may be putting seed in the ground, and, and he goes hungry the day that he's putting the seed in the ground. He's thinking, I could just eat this seed. But no, I better plant it in the ground because if I don't plant it in the ground, I'm not going to have a harvest. And so he continues to sow seed, and many people won't endure the hard times so they never get to the blessing. You know, I know people that, uh, uh, that, that they won't endure the the tough times and the hard times, and they always quit when the going gets rough. So therefore, they everything's always rough. You know, I enjoy good times today because I endured some hard times yesterday or in the past. And we need to remember that in our life. There is a way that this thing works, and we cannot circumvent it. We can't go around it. We can't ignore that it, that it happens. We can't ignore that this is the way it works. In fact, let me share something with you out of Genesis chapter 1, verse number 11. Then God said... Let the earth bring forth grass and herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth and it was so. Now, what did he he do right there? That is the first time in the Bible that we see the word seed. And he said, you know, I mean, we're... 11 verses into the Bible, and he's talking about seed. And so he says, uh, you know, it, it yields seed. 
He created this plant life that produces seed after its kind. And then I want you to notice this. Let's jump down to, um, let's, let's go ahead and read verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass, an herb that yields seed according to its kind. And the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Now, notice here, this is three days into creation. It's the third day. Three days into creation. Eleven verses into the Bible. And you ask most people, well, what did God create on the third day? Most people would say, well, he created, you know, plant life and stuff like that. But here's what I want you to see. On the third day, he created seed time and harvest. Do you see that? He created seed time and harvest on the third day. And then two days later, he's going to use the, the, the law he just created. Now, let's go on. In, in uh, verse number 20, here we are. Now we're two days later. Day five, verse 20, then God said, let the waters abound with abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. Verse 21, so God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 22, and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And notice what he, what he did there. Day three, he established the law of seed time and harvest. Day five, he says, I want to fill the waters. I want to fill the, the, the air above the, the sky. I want to fill it with birds. And he, how did he do it? He said, two days ago, I created and established this law of seed time and harvest. So now I am going to bless them to multiply and fill. See, God didn't just create all of the animal life and all of the birds and all of the fish life, the marine life. He didn't just create that and fill the waters. No, he created some and he said, now... We're going to use the law I established two days ago, and we're going to put that into effect. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to multiply and fill the, the, the waters. This is how God does stuff. And if we want to know how God does stuff, we've got to start cooperating with how God does stuff. Praise God. You know, you're... You're not going to get anywhere if you don't cooperate with what God established. So, well, I don't like that law of seed time and harvest. Let's do this another way. You can try. But I can tell you now you won't be very successful. 
Because God established a way that it works. In fact, God himself used the law he created because he wanted the earth filled with birds, animals, plants. He, he wanted it filled with the, the marine life. He, he wanted it filled. And so he used the very law that he created. And that law, he said, would be in effect as long as the earth remains. Praise God. So, is the earth still here? When I got up this morning, it was. And so, therefore, I know the law of seed time and harvest is still working. It's still in effect. And it's still how God does things. Now, God used this to be a blessing to your life. Now, Genesis chapter um, 1, let's look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Now, when he said us, he was talking about God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, in cooperation with one another, he said, let us us all were active in creation. And he said, let us make man in our image. All right, well, first of all, the first thing I always think of is this. If we've got God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Spirit, well, a, a three-part being, man is also created spirit, soul, and body. You are also a three-part being, just like God is a three-part being. And he said, let's create man in our likeness. And then notice what he says. According to our likeness, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He didn't say every creepy thing. He said every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And over, uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now, what did we learn Already in Genesis chapter 1, what did we learn about God? He created seed time and harvest, and then he used seed time and harvest. And we are created in the image and likeness of God. And if God uses seed time and harvest, that means I need to use seed time and harvest. I need to use it to accomplish what I want to accomplish. I need to use it to, to be a blessing. It was intended to be a blessing. So I need to use this law of seed time and harvest to be a blessing because I am created in the image and likeness of God. That means I have, I, that I do things the way God does things. I function the way God functions. Now let me explain something to you. When we're talking about authority in the earth and... Uh, you know, you need to pay very careful attention to what I'm saying because if you hear half of what I'm saying here, you can go away messed up, all right? 
You need to hear the whole thing. So pay very careful attention right now. Because God created man to be in his image and in his likeness. Now, along came a serpent. We don't know how long it was from creation until the serpent showed up. Uh, That's an undisclosed period of time. We don't know how long that was. But serpent shows up in the garden. And the serpent begins to talk to Eve. And the serpent says, you know, um, hey, this fruit on this tree is pretty good. You haven't, eat, you haven't tried this fruit. And she says, well, you know, you're right, I haven't tried that fruit because God said that we can't eat of that tree nor uh, we can't even touch that tree. Well, first of all, God did never say don't touch it. He said, don't eat of it. And so he says, well, you know, the reason God said that is because if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you're going to be like God. But what did God say? We just read it. Let's create man in our image and our likeness. God already said, I created you like me. And so the the serpent comes along and says, God doesn't want you to be like him. And so Eve buys into it. And Eve ate of the fruit of the tree and gave it to Adam and he ate of the fruit. And but... But the deception was that God said, I've created you like me. Now, to be like God, here's what I don't want you confused about. You're never going to be God. As in Jehovah God, the most high God, you're never going to be him. You're never going to be the most high. But... The scripture does say, Jesus used that scripture when they they said, you know, you're saying you're the son of God. And he says, well, you know, your own scripture says in the Psalms uh, that you are God's. This, This is why I said pay very careful attention. He is always the creator. You are always the created. You're never going to take the place that he has, but you are like him. In the same way, you can never be your father. You can be an awful lot like your father. You know, I I see that uh, whether, whether he wants to admit it or not, Jason is a whole lot like his father. But he will never be me. And I don't have to worry about that because he can't be me. He can never take my place, but he can be what I am. He can be, the, he is the same kind of being. You know, he is my son and you are a son of God. And my son is 
He is he's the same species of being that I am. You know, he, he is a he is a human. He functions like I function. He is even of the same race that I am. He, you know, he is like me in so many ways, even down to his very, you know, genetic things. He's he's got my genes, I don't mean my genes, I mean, yeah. but, you know, genetically, we are alike. There are a lot of things that we do things the same way. We think the same way about things. And so, when, when we begin to think about all that, and God says, but see, here's the thing that most people think about God. That God, we, they say, oh, we're, we're children of God. Okay, so, so that means I'm a son of, oh, no, you can never be the son of God. Okay, does that mean I'm a daughter? Uh, you know, I mean, the way I understand this is that if you are uh, the child of, that means you're either a son or a daughter, right? Isn't that the way it works? Okay. So you're, you're one or the other. And so I am a child of God, and, but then they try to diminish what that means. You're a child of God. Oh, but don't go claiming you're a son of God. But I want you to realize when he created you to be a child of God, you are his child, and that means you are a son of God. Now, I didn't say the son of God, but here, you know, because there is one firstborn among many brethren. So did, did, here's the thing. He's a firstborn. So does that mean that God had one son and then he, how many Christians say Jesus is the only son of God? Think about that for a minute. If Jesus is the only son of God, but I'm a child of God, then that means he must have started after that. All, all the rest of us are puppies or something, you know. I don't know. You know, I only have one son, but if I'd had two sons, they would have been the same type of being as well. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. You've got to realize who you, this is the way seed time and harvest works. Whatever the seed is that was sown, the harvest that comes from that is the same as the seed that was sown. How many flunked biology? Okay. Most of you passed biology, so you know, you ought to be getting this right now. You ought to be understanding this. This is really simple stuff if we'll get rid of the religious thinking and just get logical. 
Praise God. All this makes perfectly good sense. Praise God. And so he created man in his image and in his likeness. Now to be a God, let's, let's understand this. God is not his name. We call him God, but God is actually a position. His name is Jehovah. His name is Yahweh. His name, you know, he's got a whole myriad of names. But God is not one of his names. God is the position that he holds. That means he is one of, a, of authority who rules a certain realm. Now, in order for us to be in the image and likeness of God, we have to have a realm of authority. We need to know what our realm of authority is. Some people are trying to operate outside of their realm of authority. But you need to understand what your realm of authority is because if you function within your realm of authority, you can function just fine right there. You see, but to be a like God, to be, that means you have a realm of authority. And what did he tell us the realm of authority is? Let them have dominion over the fish, the sea, the birds of the air, over the creeping things, everything that creeps on the earth, over all the earth. That's your realm of authority. Now, our Father, he is God over all. His realm of authority is so much larger than ours. He is God over everything. But you, like him, have a realm of authority that he gave you. And you need to learn how to function in that realm. And one of the very first things that God did to show us how he functions is seed time and harvest. You have the authority... When you plant a seed in the ground, you have an authority to determine what harvest you're going to have. You determine it by what seed you sow. Now, God put that principle, that law that he established, he started using it two days later, he started using it to fill the earth. Praise God. You know, and the sooner we begin to understand that and know how it works, the better we're going to function. Many people are just not planting any seed. Many people are planting some bad seed without even knowing why they're planting it. You know, they're wanting, well, God do this. And he says, okay, plant some seed. God, I need, I need this from you. He says, okay, I gave you seed. Plant it. You know, some people are looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> when what they ought to be doing is sowing some seeds of love. You know, you, you want... You want friends? Show yourself friendly. You, you want, you, you need some money? Sow some seed. 
You know, you, you need uh, wh- whatever you need in your life, find out well, what kind of seed do I have? Because that's how God functions. God said, I want the earth filled with plant life. So he created the law of seed time and harvest so that the, the, he created a few plants that would produce some seed. And then that from there, the earth began to be filled with this harvest. He said, I want the waters full of fish, not just a few fish. I want the waters full of fish. So he creates a few fish. He blessed. In fact, think about this. I, thank you, Lord. The Lord just gave me this thought. Just, I mean, just dropped it on me right now. Okay? How many of you remember there was a little boy that came to hear Jesus speak on the seashore, and he had five loaves and two fish. They needed a lot more than two fish. So what did Jesus do? He took the loaves and the fish, and he lifted them up, and he blessed them. And then he gave them to the disciples, and they fed the multitude, which is estimated to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 people. I thought it was 5,000. Well, it said 5,000 men besides women and children. That's what it says. So, so we can estimate, I, I, I would say, at least 20,000 people. So you got 20,000 people, two fish. He blessed them. Kind of reminds me of what God did back here on day five. He blessed the fish and said, multiply. So Jesus said, I got two fish. I got some seed. So he blessed the fish, and, and you, you see, we're not told the exact words he said. He probably didn't hold the fish there and say, bless you. <laughs> you know, we, we have this in our mind that, you know, if he blessed the fish, well, bless you. Um, but he probably said, I, I can imagine it being like this, but, and, and what I'm basing this on is what God did in Genesis 1-5, or uh, on the fifth day is what I meant to say. What he did in, in Genesis on the fifth day. He took, he, he created some fish, he put them in the water, and then he blessed them, and he said, multiply and fill. So I got a feeling that what Jesus said was, Multiply. And what happened? It multiplied. The dead fish multiplying? Hey, we're talking the word of the Lord here. Multiply. Well, you got the word of the Lord in your mouth, right? Praise God. So when you speak the word of the Lord, it's just like the Lord speaking it. Praise God. So you take what you have. Too many people are talking about what they don't have. When God took what he created, he took what he had, and then he said, multiply and fill the waters. Birds, multiply and fill the air. And there's still birds in the air, and there's still fish in the sea. Praise God. 
Because he said multiply, and it multiplied, and it is still multiplying. And it will continue to multiply until he says stop multiplying. Which I don't expect him to do that. But, you know, multiply. What do you have? What do you need more of? You got, got a seed. You can eat your seed. Or you can speak to your seed and say, multiply. Because God created you in his image and likeness and designed you to function like he functioned. So let's find out how he functioned. He took seed and blessed it and said, multiply. Praise God. Let's just do something this, this morning. This, this just might be a little, you might think this is a little silly or whatever. But if you've got a wallet or whatever, just take your wallet out. And open it up. Look in it. You don't have to show it to everybody. But just, you know, just look in there and say, multiply. You got some seed in there, right? So, so just talk to it. Just say multiply. You, you could use some more, right? Okay? Just say multiply. You bless it and say multiply because that's how God did it. Praise God. That's how seed time and harvest is supposed to work. Now, the curse came into the earth, and the curse was about limiting the effectiveness of the seed. What did he say? He said there's going to be thorns and briars and thistles and there's, there's going to be all this that's going to come. And, it's, and, and what did Jesus say? When you sow the word, some is sown on thorny ground. And he told Adam, he said there's going to be thorns that are going to come up and they're going to try to choke out the seed that you sow. But here's the deal. You're not thorny ground. I declare that over you in the name of Jesus. You are not thorny ground. You are good ground. Praise God. And good seed planted in you produces a good harvest. Praise God. And the seeds that you sow don't have to be choked out by the thorns. Praise God. Now, you see, God wanted to, God, God needed to get his son into the earth. That's, you know, from, from the very beginning, from the fall, actually God had a plan already in place before the fall ever happened. The Bible calls Jesus the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so God had a plan before the fall ever happened of what he was going to do about it. And what, did, what? how was God going to deal with it? He was going to deal with it the same way that he got the earth filled with fish and birds. Seed time and harvest. So how, did good, how does seed time and harvest get Jesus into the earth? Well, here's how it happened. God went and found a man named Abram. And he began to talk to him and began to tell him, this is what I want to do. And he, he took the man's name 
Abram, and he said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And, and the, with the ancient tradition of how covenants were, were cut, and we could teach for weeks on this. We're not going to. I'm going to condense it down to minutes, all right? But he said, you know, we're going to, uh, this, this is how covenants were cut, that in the covenant ceremony that names were exchanged. Now, probably the, the uh, most, thi- most familiar thing that we have to relate that to is a marriage covenant. You know, when a couple is married, there is an exchange of names. The wife takes on the husband's name. And, uh, and even today, it's becoming a thing where the wife uses her maiden name slash the husband's last name. So there is, uh, there is an exchange of names that takes place. And so God, when he made a covenant with Abram, he combined his name, Yahweh, or part of his name, Yah, with Abram, and he became Abraham. Abraham. Okay? So we've got God's name and Abram's name blended together to make Abraham. That's how he became Abraham. And when we have that name put together, it means father of many nations. So God started by planting a word seed. A name seed. He planted that in Abram's, he gave him that name. So then Abram, from that day on, he began to introduce himself, I am Abraham. I am the father of many nations. And he began to declare that out of his mouth. I'm Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. And he began to say that, say that. 25 years later, he has a son. So it didn't happen overnight. Now, immediately, here, here's what you need to get. Immediately, he became a father of many nations. We didn't see a manifestation of it for 25 years. But he became the father of many nations. Now, he's got this son. God's given him this son. His name is Isaac. And Isaac is the son of promise. Actually, Abram Abraham had uh, fathered another son before that by the name of Ishmael. But God didn't recognize that son because that was a son of self-effort. But he recognized the son of promise. And he actually, he recognized him to the point that God called him your only son. I want you to take your only son, and I want you to go to a place that I will tell you. And the Bible says that God tempted Abraham. Now, depending on what translation of the Bible you're reading, God tempted Abraham or God tested Abraham. Here's the translation I prefer of that. God proved Abraham. A test 
in, in my mind, you know, and I, I know this, this is just my thinking on this, maybe yours too, but in my thinking, if you give a test, you want to find out what somebody knows or what somebody's going to do. God already knew what he was going to do. That's why he chose Abraham in the first place because he knew what he would do. In fact, that's borne out in Scripture as well. He says, I know him that he'll command his household after him. See, so God already knew what he was going to do. So God didn't test him to see what he was going to do. God tested him or proved him to prove that Abram was in full cooperation with what he was wanting to do. So God tested him, and what he said, I want you to take this son, this only son that I have given you, the son of promise, and I want you to take him to the, to the land of Moriah, and there I want you to offer him to me as a sacrifice. Now, that may sound weird, but when you understand what God was up to, it's not weird at all. What God was up to, God needed to give a son. But because he gave man authority in the earth, he had to, see, God just doesn't just give authority and then take it back. He gave authority, and the authority remains in place. And so he gave man authority. He said, you have dominion. So from that day forward, everything God has done in the earth, he has done it through human beings. This is why the scripture says God does nothing except he first make it known to his servants, the prophets. He tells the prophets what he wants to do. And then the prophets start saying it. And when the prophets start saying it, then the prophets are coming into an agreement with what God's wanting to do. And the prophets therefore are giving permission to God to do what he wants to do in the earth. That's why the prophets have to say it. That's why the scripture says that you'll, if you'll listen to the prophets, you'll live. And so he, he gives the prophet a word and the prophet begins to say what God wants to do. And then the people begin to receive the word of the prophet and the, and the people begin to get in agreement with it. And next thing you know, God's got full permission to do what he wants to do in the earth. So he talks to this man, Abram. He says, I want you to take your only son. I want you to take him to this place that I will show you, a place in the land of Moriah. And the, uh, what that actually means is it shall be seen. And in fact, uh, the place is then called, in, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen. And so Abram took Isaac and he took him up on this mountain, he built an altar to the Lord, and he's preparing to sacrifice his son as an offering to the Lord. And there the Lord interrupted him. He said, don't, don't slay your son. He says, because now I know that you'll do what I told you to do. But see, what he did, he, he didn't checked to see if he would, he proved that he would. He said, it has now been proven that you are in full cooperation with what I'm wanting to do. So there's no need for you to go ahead and, 
and slay your son. He says, I need to send my son, and I need to lay my son on the wood. The Bible says that, that Abraham laid Isaac on the wood. Now, God needed to send his son into the world. He needed to stretch out his arms on a tree, on a cross. And he said, I need to send my son. Now, you have proven that you are in full agreement with and full cooperation with this. So now I can legally send my son into the world. And I can legally have him nailed to a cross. Praise God. So see what's happening here? God planted a seed. He planted a son in the earth because he wanted many sons. So he took his one son. That's why we should never call Jesus the only begotten son of God. He was the only begotten son of God. But he nailed him to a cross in order to bring many sons to glory. Praise God. He nailed him to the cross so that, you know, he, he could become the firstborn among many brethren. And so no longer, never again, after Jesus rose from the dead, he is never again called the only begotten Son of God. You need to stop thinking of Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. Now, why do you need to stop thinking that way? Because if you think that way, it limits you. And, and, and it blocks and hinders your understanding of who you are. When you're calling, oh, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. What you're saying when you do that is you're saying, I am not a Son of God. And so your, your understanding of what happened is being interfered with by this thought that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. He is the first begotten. And we've got to keep that in mind. Why do we get nitpicky on stuff like this? Because it's a, it's a mind renewal thing. It's getting our thinking right. As long as you think Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, you'll think that Jesus is the only one who can do signs and wonders. But Jesus said, I'm going back to the Father, and you're going to do what I do. Why? Because you're sons of God too. Jesus, well, Jesus did that because he was the Son of God. And who are you? Aren't you a son of God? So if Jesus did that because he's the son of God, well, you ought to do it because you're the son of God. Praise God. I, I'm telling you, this stuff right here, we can go on and on and on and on and on. But I can't. Because I have already gone over time. We've got to stop. But you see how God did this, and this is how God does stuff. Jesus, the first begotten Son of God, took fish and bread and blessed it and said, multiply. You, a Son of God, created in His image and in His likeness, start multiplying stuff. Start blessing stuff and saying, multiply Praise God.
Begin to sow those seeds. Begin to use this law of seed time and harvest to your advantage. God's not going to plant seeds. He told you to. Praise God. Praise God. So let's do what he said. Let's get our mentality right. Praise God. You know, correct your thinking. Correct the image that you have of who you are and who God created you to be. And accept that. We think we're being humble. No, we're being stupid. <laughs> Stupidity should never be confused with humility. Praise God. If God said you are a son, then stop saying Jesus is the only son. He's the first. He has preeminence. He has his place. Praise God. He, you know, he is the one who made it possible for you to be a son. Let's never forget that. But nonetheless, you are a son. Jesus is not the only son. So start acting like a son. Because seed time and harvest works and every seed produces after its kind. What did God plant in the earth? A son. What do you think he got as a harvest? Sons. Praise God. Let's get it. Don't let the devil steal that from you anymore by stupid thinking. Stupid thinking is not humility. Humility is saying, I believe what God said. That's, that's what humility is. Praise God. Father, we thank you today. We just worship you today. We just give you honor today. Father, we acknowledge that we are exactly who you said we are. We can do exactly what you said we could do. This law of seed time and harvest that you established, Father, works for us just like it did for you. You set it into motion. We thank you for that today. Now, if you've never heard anything like this before, you say, well, man, that's craziness. I don't know about that. That's all right. Take it and think on it for a while. Take it and meditate on it for a while. Check it out in your Bible. Check it out. You know, you need to, don't, don't accept it just because I said it. Check it out in your Bible. And if you see it in the Bible, then accept it. Praise God. But check it out. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you have never received the salvation that he's offered, if you have never been born again, you've never become a son of God, as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God. As many as receive him. So you need to receive him. And that, that means you accept what he did for you. Jesus went to a cross and he paid for all of your sins and then he rose again from the dead so that you could have new life. The Bible says that if you will confess that out of your mouth and believe it in your heart, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You will instantly become a son.
right now, wherever you're at, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching me online, I want to invite you to make this confession of faith in Jesus this morning. When we get to the end of this confession, we're going to say amen. Amen means so be it to everything I just got through saying. When you say so be it, according to God's word, you will be saved instantly. So right now, wherever you are, hearing my voice, let's say this together. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. That he paid for all of my sins. Paid the penalty. He paid it all. And then he rose again from the dead so that I could have new life. And today, I choose Jesus to be my Savior. I receive him right now. So be it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for those who have received Jesus as their Savior today. Father, I thank you that you're going to begin to reveal to them and open up their heart to understand what it means. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now, if you have received Jesus as your Savior today, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, I have a book, uh, an e-book, get it on uh, at your uh, Kindle store or uh, your i uh, iBooks. Get it in either format. And uh, actually, if you just go to wolcarlsbad.com, that's our website. Wolcarlsbad.com. It'll tell you how to get the book called I Choose Jesus. You get that book, you download it free of charge. There's no charge to that whatsoever. It is intended to help you know what you just did and to know how to proceed from here. That's what it's for. Praise God. So get that book. And if you're sitting here today in, in this room, you can see Jesus in the back of the seat in front of you. There's that blue card that we talked about earlier for guests. Check the box on there. Says, I, I choose Jesus or I, I chose Jesus today or something to that effect. You can read it there and check that box and let it in someone on your way out or you can leave it in the seat right where you're at and we'll find it. Praise God. Do that. Now let me say one more, uh, a couple more things. You have never received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that the Father has a promise for you. Praise God. He wants to fill you with the Spirit. But once again, you've got to give Him permission to do that. Praise God got to give him permission by asking him. Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. You see, this gift is power for your life. To empower you to live, praise God, and to live a supernatural life. That's what this gift is for. So, if you've never received that gift, he says, is this where we have to speak with tongues? No, this is where you get to speak with tongues. And speaking with tongues is a blessing not something to be afraid of, praise God, and it works like this, we're going to ask Father for the Holy Spirit, He's going to fill you, and when He fills you, He's going to give you a language that you've never learned, you'll find it, it'll begin to rise up on the inside of you, and all you need to do is say what you're hearing on the inside, just say it, and you will be speaking.
this moment on every day of your life, you can speak with tongues. Praise God. The Bible says that you speak divine mysteries. When you don't know how to pray as you ought to pray, it says that you can pray with groanings which cannot be uttered. Or in other words, you can pray in tongues. And you can speak divine mysteries directly to God. So if you want to receive today, just say this after me. Say, Father, thank you for saving me. Jesus said you have a gift for me. So I, he said if I would ask you for it, I could receive it. So I'm asking you for my gift. And I receive the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Here we go. Amen. Now just start saying you're hearing on the inside of you. It's that simple. Praise God. Praise God. Lastly, if you need healing in your body, just hold your hand up wherever you are. If you're sitting in your living room watching this, go ahead and hold your hand up right there. Wherever you are, just hold your hand up. We're going to release the healing anointing of God to go into bodies all over this room, all around the world, wherever people are lifting their hands right now. In the name of Jesus, I release that healing to go into these bodies to, to become the cure in Jesus' name. And we thank you for healing your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let us know if you Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love.